For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Eye on the Tigers podcast. My name is Eli Hoff and I'm your host. I'm also the Mizzou sports beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch at stltoday.com. I'm joined once again today by one of our fantastic columnists, Mr. Ben Fredrickson, joining the pod. Ben, it's uh, it's been another long week of, of Mizzou men's basketball, another long week of, as the time we're recording, Mizzou searching for a defensive coordinator. Uh, how have How have you been using your time and how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Eli. I'm just wondering what's going to happen first. Either Eli Drinkwitz will hire a defensive coordinator or Dennis Gates basketball team will win an SEC game. But uh, if you're listening to this and Missouri has hired an offensive coordinator by then, then my joke fell flat. But uh, it's the wait. It's the long wait for both. And we're waiting to see who can end the standoff first. At this rate, maybe maybe better to, to bet on the defensive coordinator getting wrapped up. It seemed like Missouri would have uh, been in line for a, a winnable game against South Carolina, perhaps. Well, no, South Carolina just goes and beats Kentucky last time out, and Missouri couldn't get it done at Texas A&M. Eli, look, man, Ken Palm is uh, the Bible, right? It projects four conference wins for this basketball team, but I got to be honest, I, I don't know. I don't really see how they get there. They've got they've got a hard to imagine this team getting one on the road. The, um, they don't exactly play that much better at home. They've got some whopper games left, and they've left some winnable SEC games on the floor. They're going to win. They're they're not going to go over in the SEC, but I don't I don't know if I see four right now. No, I, I don't either. And I think you look at last night's game against Texas A and M as the prime example. You go to College Station, and it it feels like it's always ugly basketball that happens there. That's just that's what they export in that part of Texas. I'm convinced. But you go there, and the home team shoots 29% from the field, has 15 made shots the whole game. You play 40 minutes of basketball, and you make 15 shots. You hold them to 63 points, and you still lose because you can only score 57. And, and it's because you send the Aggies to the, the free throw line 37 times. It, it just, you know, Mizzou, the, the outcome keeps being the same. They're finding new ways to lose in some of these in that game because I, I don't know. I, I'd love to see if, if there was a database of, you know, every college basketball game out there of what teams winning percentages are when the other team only shoots 29% from the field or only makes 15 shots. Right. And kind of, probably imagine... about the same as what happens when a guy scores 36 points. Usually the team that has the guy who scores 36 points wins the game. Yeah. In yeah it's, basketball. It's, this team it's... doesn't not a guarantee as Tamar Bates found out at home. No, no, it, it's it's remarkable there, and and I, I feel for Tamar Bates after that game because you're seeing him afterwards. You know, he he put together a, a career high thirty six is is a lot of points to score in a college game too. This isn't the NBA where guys are going for thirty six every other night, and and he just afterwards just looked tired, <laughs> and and that you know he he needed to have scored. What did they lose? They lost that game by twelve. I think he wish wishes he would have scored forty eight, and and. It's just it's just 
tough. We we run out of new things to talk about, Ben. Uh, how how much does this become a bigger picture concern for Mizzou? Is there a threshold? You know, if it's four wins, let's say Ken Pump's right, and say they end up at four wins, you know, it's still obviously a step back from last season, but does this escalate into something bigger picture that concerns Mizzou at all? I mean, nobody wants to hear this, but to me, it doesn't really matter if this team wins four games or none. That doesn't change the fact that it's a terrible season. I do think if you are a Mizzou decision maker, you still say, okay, it's a bad season. There's still confidence in this coach and this staff. Um, flush it and and go be more competitive next year. And the reason you can say that is because there's encouraging recruiting coming in next season. However, the thing that I think changes Eli is like the assumption that all of a sudden things will just be right next year, because here's the deal. There are talented freshmen on this team that were highly ranked and encouraging and recruit in terms of incoming recruits. And they're not exactly carrying this team to, to fame and fortune on the court. Um, so expecting next year's class, that second ranked class, that everybody's fired up about rightfully so to come in and simply turn the rocket boosters on Um Maybe not so fast there. Um, so that's why I, I think that this season's focus, Dennis Gates doesn't have to say he's doing it. That's fine, but he's doing it. Starting Jordan Butler against Texas A&M, benching Noah Carter. Um, you know, you can look at this roster and look at, okay, who's going to be back? Who's going to be back and in a position to make a significant difference? And, and, and who's going to be, you know, kind of not pushed to the side, but who needs to perhaps be scaled back a little bit if they're not performing this season to make opportunity for other guys. And I think Noah Carter sitting and Jordan Butler starting is an example of, of Dennis Gates doing just that. And the way that Noah Carter, the way that, you know, uh, Trent Pierce, the way that uh, even, 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 you know, some of the, some of the less impactful guys with eligibility left have played are, they can be encouraging one game, and then there can be other games where you go, man, they need these guys are going to need to grow up a lot the rest of this season if they're expected to be some of the big guys next year. I mean, there's a game where you feel like Trent Pierce is coming on strong, and then there's a game where he barely plays and you get nothing. Um, there's a game where where Tamar Bates, who's back next year, looks like he could be one of the lead players in the SEC. Um and then there's, and then you think, okay, get him going with a guy like, like an Aiden Shaw who will be back. And all of a sudden then Aiden Shaw has a game where nothing happens. So for this season, I think Missouri's best bet, Eli, is to get both Sean East and Tamar Bates cooking and try to get, both are going to have to score like 25 points each for this team to win a game. I think that's the one thing that we haven't seen happen yet. East has had big games. Bates has had big games. They've had games where they've been good together but they haven't had games where they've both gone off like 25 plus and that may have to happen if they're going to win, but Sean East isn't walking through that door next season. So some of these other guys are going to have to, I think, stir some momentum for this upcoming season, this next season, but they also got to have the coaches help. They got to play. They got to be on the court. They got to play more than five or five or one minute that Aiden Shaw and Trent Pierce played at Texas A&M. That's absolutely the case. And and one of the things that with this year, it, we've said this before on the podcast and in basketball, you sort of, 
bank on there being at least a game or two that a team wins because they just shoot the lights out, right? I think this is something that people talk about in the context of when the Pistons were on that crazy losing streak of like, how is there not a night where you just, you know, go and and accidentally shoot 50% from three on good volume, right? It, and that hasn't happened from a zoo this year. Now, yeah. uh, you know, I'm not saying that magically is going to happen, but like you'd kind of think that will come along at some point. So maybe that game's coming and maybe it's a game where Sean Easton, Tamar Bates, just, you know, have the bet going between themselves of who can score more and they they both end one ends up at 29 and one's one ends up at 27 and that's enough i think you know that's a, a possible route to victory here but you, ben you you highlighted against a&m jordan butler starting over noah carter this is something that seems like a, a big shift here because going into this season Dennis Gates identified three players in the starting lineup as the anchors that was his word as the anchors of the starting lineup nick honor sean east noah carter and those three have really, they've been in those roles and they were the returners. You know, it, it seemed justified going into this season. All of a sudden, one of those anchors was sat down for a freshman to start. Now, those are another mix up. Van Over also left the starting lineup and Jesus Carolaro Martin came in. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily a like for like swap, but it's a little bit of a shift for this program. And and I asked Gates about it after the game and he said it was both rewarding Butler for some good practice and, and a good performance against Florida when he played, but also... It was challenging, again, Dennis's word, uh, challenging Noah Carter after his performance against the Gators when he played. He played 25 minutes, went 3 for 8 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3, and I think most crucially grabbed no rebounds. That just, you know, that was Dennis Gates saying that that can't fly in this type of season, in this type of league, on this type of team. And I think that's important because one of the things that Gates has been so hard on players, especially Aiden Shaw, especially Aiden Shaw, about is the rebounding and the rebounding rate. He wants one every three minutes. If you are on the floor for nine minutes, you should have three rebounds. The The ratio isn't that hard to figure out. And so anytime Aiden Shaw doesn't get there, uh, he's he's getting pulled. The same standard is there for Vanover. It's for Trent Pierce, for all of these bigs on the team. So when Noah Carter goes 24, 25 minutes without a rebound, that doesn't work. And so that accountability piece is there, and it's a freshman who's benefiting which is really, really key down the stretch because Noah Carter's volume hasn't always been translating to production. Nick Honor, he seems to be getting out of the slump that he was in, but his volume hasn't always translated to production. And so that suggests that these freshmen have been doing well enough behind the scenes in these practices that now the coaching staff is ready to give them chances uh, when the when the starters, the anchors, or the vets aren't performing so maybe maybe this is the start of the shift maybe it was just a one game thing that, that gates was doing to try to fire his guys up i don't know that remains to be seen but it's it it shouldn't fly under the radar i think maybe the the significance of that particular change yeah i get making these guys earn it in practice that's how you set the standards for your program but here's the deal like the the, the same practices for this team were the same ones that had a lot of people around this team talking themselves in this team being really really good this year and what happens when you get a bunch of guys who are about the same talent level or perhaps not as talented as the rest of the league and they practice, the practices look competitive because they're a bunch of guys playing against each other who perhaps wouldn't be starting on other SEC teams. And sometimes practice can be misleading, not in terms of did you show up, did you work hard, did you do your job? You can't reward poor effort or poor execution or poor discipline in practice. But sometimes you have to go off of what the games are telling you. And you're deep enough now into a conference season where there's enough conference games, let alone games, to tell you that some of this stuff isn't working so well. That some of these guys need to have their their playing time scaled back 
a little bit that some of these other guys deserve a little more opportunity. We hear a lot with Gates about plus minus. Um, This is not an easy thing, but look, Nick Honor's a minus 15 this year. So Nick Honor keeps playing and the minutes keep going his way, but Aiden Shaw's got to sit an entire game because he's a minus 20. Like that doesn't exactly add up. Um, You know, if, if you're going off the plus minus, there would be more opportunities for certain guys. Kurt Lewis, who barely plays, is a plus six. Where his where's his opportunity? So I think sometimes it's hard for coaches to accept what the games are showing them versus what they want to see from the roster they built and, and what they are seeing from practice when things may look great at practice. And these are guys who compete. We see that in the games. They they probably get after it in practice, but but the games are, are telling a little bit of a different story. I think we'll continue to see it shift. I think it, I think it's going to have to be expedited and it's something to keep an eye on because the guys who won't be back next year are East honor Carter and Vanover. Um, and, and I'm curious to see now if this Carter thing, you know, he's been effective off the bench before for this team and it's worth seeing if he can be again in a little bit of a modified role. Um, I'm curious to see, you don't decrease East minutes. He's one of the best players in, in the SEC right now. But Vanover has clearly taken a back seat. Uh, I'm curious to see if Honor is, is the next player that Gates challenges a little bit. Um, and I'll, I'll just add this. I was going through some of the numbers. You know, this, this notion that this team, this is one of the more experienced teams in college basketball. When you look at actual Division One experience on it and – that's to me a bigger case to play some of the young guys a little bit more because going with the been there done that guys hasn't worked. So I think really one of your only options is to try to open it up for some of these younger guys to make an impact. You don't throw it on them all at once. And and I wanted to talk to you about that because you've been a proponent of it. Yeah. It's, it's easy to say, play the kids, but if you throw them all out there and they're getting bruised and battered in the sec, that's not, that's not going to help them much. I do think though, you've got to try to carve out more opportunity for them in part because this group, I think they're top 15 in the country in division one experience on their roster. Some of those guys are getting the biggest bites of the apple and they're not getting it done. No, it, it and that's, that's absolutely the case. And I think with these young guys, you, you know, like you said, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of a blanket approach that's, you know, throw 30 minutes a night at each of the freshmen and just see what happens the rest of the way here. Because I, I think that gets counterproductive because these guys have come in and they're on a developmental track. None of none of these players, there's maybe a chance that Trent Pierce was at the beginning of the year. None of them are going to be one and dones, right? None of these guys are going to the NBA. And if if they declare, that's their decision, but they're they're not NBA prospects at this stage of the game. They need more time. And so you you don't want them to go in and just get bullied by the bigger players who have three, four years and 40, 50 pounds on them. That's that's not productive. That's not going to lead to any developmental success. What I think needs to happen for these freshmen is just more consistent roles. So you look at Trent Pierce's minutes. He's gone. He played two minutes against A&M, nine against Florida, six against Alabama, two against Georgia. That's hard for him to settle into much of a rhythm. Two minutes is just, you know, you could you could bring whoever you want from the NBA down into a college game and give him two minutes and he's going to have an impact but he's not going to probably alter the game for you. You need more time to impact the game and settle into the game flow. Jordan Butler played 24 against A&M in the start. 
No, that's by far the most he'd played the season. Uh, he'd gone for 15 against uh, SIUE back in November. So his his minutes were significantly more in College Station. And so he had more of a role there. He had more of a role in defense. The game plan was at least built around him being a factor in that game. You look at Ant Robinson, his minutes have gone up and down. He played three against Georgia, but he played 16 against Alabama. Uh, it's It's so much up and down with him but the the thing that I also think you need to look at with these freshmen is just the shots that they're getting in this team starting to run some sets that are based around Ant Robinson and Jordan Butler in the pick and roll because if that's something that you want to have next year start doing that now in a limited quantity right don't don't go spamming it don't go call it you know every possession the last six minutes of the game but start working those in so that you can give those guys the feel for how SEC teams are going to defend it, right? I'm sure they're working on that in practice uh, so much. Keep doing that sort of thing so that when next year you come in and you want Anthony Robinson to maybe be in the starting five, to be a ball handler in these situations, you have that on tape now going into the offseason. Start getting those now. So I'm, I'm put me down on the record for someone who's in favor of more bigger roles and more situational looks designed for these freshmen instead of using them as spacers or guys who just cover gaps in the rotation, finding ways to to kind of meaningfully integrate them into the offense. Uh, they're going to get integrated into the defense anyway, because teams are going to hunt them. They'll, other teams that have a proper center will take that post up against Jordan Butler. He's getting his looks. He took, you know, two blows to the face against AM alone. Like teams are going physically at him. Uh, you know, teams are putting Ant Robinson in action on the perimeter and making him work his way around all of that. That's fine. Other teams will take care of that for you. If, if you're Dennis Gates and the staff, it's about finding ways to start getting these freshmen involved, start giving them the looks that ideally they can handle next year. Start giving them that diet now, and uh, and and you you hope that that works itself out a little bit as this season goes, so that there's some momentum and traction there going into the off season. And can Aiden Shaw play 20 minutes a game? I get it. There are times when he when he doesn't do enough, but there are also times when he goes out against Georgia and scores 14 points and grabs five grabs six rebounds. He played 26 minutes in that game. Maybe that's not doable, but. He was playing 14, 15, 16 minutes and then goes out Tuesday and they play him six. Challenge this guy to to be the guy who can be a difference maker next season. And and don't put Aiden Shaw in a spot where when those poachers come this offseason, they can say, hey, man, you had uh, all these games down the stretch where you only play. You didn't even play 10 minutes. How much are you? How much are you being valued on this team? If you don't think that stuff happens, you're crazy. Um, if Aiden Shaw reminds you of, of of some things that Trevon Brazil did as a as a young player or Mizzou that he's now doing at Arkansas, they should because he's a freaky, bouncy athlete who can do a lot of different things. Don't put him in a spot where he's going, man. Do, do they see a future for me here? What else? What else do you have left the rest of the season but to try to build some of these guys up to be bigger, better players next year? So um, I, I think that to me is a, another guy who's got to feel like he's he's a part of this thing pretty, pretty consistently here as this thing trudges on, they've lost nine of their last 10. Um, you know, it's the more I look at it, they're, they're not, they're not doing bad things. They are not good at the things they need to be really good at. And they're, and they're weak at the things we knew they weren't strong at um, that, that until something changes, they're going to keep losing games. You're going to get better at your strengths or you're going to tighten up some of your weaknesses. And right now they're, they're, they're too open at both. 
They were a top six steal team in the in the country last year. They're top sixty this year. Um, they are shooting their shooting percentage on three pointers has dropped like four percent. But when you want to shoot as many threes as they do, that's a big difference. And they didn't rebound last year, and they don't rebound this year. They're one of the worst teams in the country at allowing offensive rebounds. These are very tough ways to win if you are not doing things really well that are supposed to be the strengths of your team. And I don't think it's coaching. We've talked about this. I think he doesn't quite have the guys. And that's my question. And it's not an excuse. You play with the guys you got. I don't, I don't, I don't go quickly to say it's on the injuries, but I, I also say this, we're talking about guys who are back next year. I don't know that we know like what John Tanjay was supposed to be for this team. Cause I think he was messed up the whole time. Yeah, um, this is, is this team has not seen him healthy. If he plays that. That's a fair question. Is it different if Caleb Grill plays? Um, he at least would have helped out a little bit on the defensive end. Could have helped out on the the three point end, and and that could be something that Dennis Gates may have be able to answer a little bit next year if he can get both of those guys back. We'll see if Caleb Grill plays. He could have a red shirt if he doesn't. At this point, I'd probably try to save him for for next year. Um, now he'd have to be on board with that, but. That's kind of the to me what this thing's about is trying to trying to get give people tangible reasons they can feel like next year won't be like this. Because next year might be still a transition. It might still be a growth process season, but it can't be this bad. Because if this is if it's this bad next year, then it's not one great year, one bad year. It's two bad years after an after a what looks like a fluke. And then we're talking about bigger picture issues, I think. Oh, I think that's that's definitely the case. And and the thing with next year too that that needs to be important looking at these freshmen coming in obviously it's a fantastic recruiting class but anytime you're relying on that many young players or that many young players and Aiden Shaw and Tamar Bates and maybe a couple uh guys who come in from the portal this offseason that that's still that's not a, a win in the SEC recipe that's probably not even an NCAA tournament recipe unless some of these guys can really make the jump quick or some of these current freshmen just have great off seasons and really come in next year you know it, it might not be this degree of, of struggling next year but I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be easy the other thing with these freshmen coming in the the window with them is sort of hard to actually kind of analyze, predict some of that. You look at a guy like uh, Honor Boateng, who's coming in. I think he's now the the 25th ranked prospect in the class coming in. So it's obviously fantastic. I think uh, he's got five-star status from some recruiting services. That's fantastic. But all of a sudden at that level, he starts looking at at, a, at you know NBA level prospect status, we're looking at a draft site now that has him uh, in the top ten shooting guards in the 2025 NBA draft, right? Which again, that's you know that's not necessarily a status where he's going to look to go one and done, but it's a possibility with him. It's unlikely again, just given that it's unlikely that he's at Mizzou for more than two years probably, and so all of a sudden these windows, this isn't something that Dennis Gates even has time to build over the next four years because some of these freshmen may not be around. Also, the transfer portal, all of that. You mentioned Aiden Shaw. It's a prime example. He he shows a lot of upside here, but what's the team's vision for him long-term because he doesn't have a consistent role offensively or defensively. You know, the we're putting the ball in his hand off the dribble. That hasn't materialized. Whether that's on him or the coaching staff, you know, we don't really know, but it, he hasn't seen any uptick as a creator. That way... The shot isn't there for him. I think he's attempted two jumpers all year, and I think they both missed. That just hasn't been there. You know, he's someone who might go into this offseason, 
again, we don't really know for sure, but if if that's not the type of player he wants to become, maybe he questions that. Uh, it's it's all it's all hard to project for next year because these players don't come in and automatically make it better. They have the same transition as everyone else. And so in all honesty, the most important thing that can happen this offseason is, yes, getting these guys on campus, getting them working with the strength and, and nutrition staff right away, getting these guys who will be second year players developing still. But it's the the two or three or maybe four. I don't have the the numbers in front of me, but however many transfer portal spots Dennis Gates has to fill this offseason, he cannot afford to miss on those like he did this year. Because this year, you know, again, the injuries hurt because Grill and Tanjay, if both fully healthy and with this team, are probably actually quite impactful. They're certainly in the rotation. They're probably starters. Uh, you know, they're definitely impactful. That the other the other whiffs can't happen next year because then the same thing will play out and it will just be the same thing but with even younger guys you're at risk of losing uh it'll be it'll be freshmen instead of 50 or 60 or seniors who are you know missing these shots so i i think that's something to really watch for this offseason as well as just what the portal looks like yeah but even in that same year you've got transfer success stories a guy like tamar bates clearly a hit clearly was was higher profile player than a lot of people realize and he's taken advantage I think Sean East development from a JUCO player has will bode well for Dennis Gates and his staff ability to take that into the JUCO side of things and say, Hey, why not come, come play here? Um, so those are, those are big wins. I just add this and Dennis Gates has enough to think about. We don't need to <laughs> add to his plate, but um, this is a point that my, my co-host Brendan Weesey um, has made on the big sports show. When we talked Mizzou basketball, on big 550 KTRS here in St. Louis, he said, look, look around the SEC. There are impact freshmen making differences for teams this season. And this, you can't say definitively that Missouri has had that. They've had good flashes of young guys, um, encouraging moments, but they don't have key freshman difference makers. Now, whether that's on the coaching staff, whether that's on the minutes, whether that's on the players, it's a combination of all of it. But you don't, in this era of college basketball, we're about to get the COVID, the COVID year is going away. The transfer portal at some point is going to, is going to settle a little bit now that guys don't have 15 years of eligibility. You don't want to be a coach known for holding freshmen back. You don't want to be a coach known for not giving freshmen enough run if, if they're ready. Um, And I'm not saying he's in that camp, but if you're banking on, sophomores and freshmen leading your way next year. You got to be comfortable playing them. You got to be comfortable coaching them up. You got to be comfortable allowing some of the growing pains. And you've also got to know when to clear out a more veteran player to, to give them more of an opportunity. Those aren't easy things to do, but they're happening across the conference. There are young players immediately making impacts as true freshmen in this league. And that's something that, uh, that, that is just a reality. So it's something I would factor into my plans and how I, doled out the minutes the rest of the way here if nothing else because you're, you're better yet trying to make some changes and have them not work than than sticking to the same thing and I, and I think he has been flexible we've seen some zone we've seen the he's not sitting there watching this go down but I do think you know really committing to a chunk of playing time for some of these younger guys should be a must moving forward here without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No, it isn't. And your point about the zone is a good one there because that also shows the kind of buy in that Dennis Gates still has with this team that they can go in, in the span of, of just a few days between games. And you know, the public probably took longer than that, but they can go and, and, come in with the scout on AM and install this one three one zone and then come out and lock down uh one of the the more electric players in the SEC with Wade Taylor the fourth and just that AM team in general they can completely disrupt their offense on the road with that zone you know that's that's a testament to what Gates and this coaching staff are able to do but also that these players they're not airmailing it because if you if a team's airmailing it on defense you know you know immediately if they've oh, given yeah. up just by the way they defend and this Mizzou team has not given up that was evident in that Texas A&M game I think with the the current freshman too and this goes back to the just balancing playing time with actually using them you look at so Jordan Butler's stat line he gets 24 minutes in his first start that was you know the first significant game that Jordan Butler has played he's played minutes before but that was the first game where this was a a sneak preview at you know where is Jordan Butler right now as Mizzou's if he's Mizzou's starting center what does he do and and I don't think you can look at that game and say it went particularly terribly for him he attempted two shots. They're both threes. He made one of them. He had five rebounds. He drew four fouls, but again, Mizzou committed 26 fouls, so you can't really blame him for having four of them when he's the center. He got a block and a steal, and uh, and he was minus three. The team lost by six, so he did better than the team did in terms of being on the court. That seems like a good sign. You look at Trent Pierce and the Bracken Wrights game against Illinois when Mizzou just got flat run out of the Enterprise Center. That was not a good showing. He played 20 minutes there. He made the start. He got nine shots, which is obviously good from a role standpoint. Made five of them. Had four rebounds, a block, two steals, two fouls. Finished with 12 points in 20 minutes in that game. That's a, that's a positive. I, I don't think Ant Robinson, he's had some bigger minutes. He played 26 minutes against Central Arkansas, but I don't know how much that really means. You know, maybe he's the next guy who finds a way. Maybe he starts for Nick Otter in one of these games and gets a similar workload. I think that's something that's big, you know, because those games are something that I think right now, if you go back in, if you just watch Jordan Butler against Texas A&M, you can get a sense of, of what that looks like. And so maybe, you know, I, I mentioned earlier the example of, you know, put Ant Robinson and Jordan Butler in together and let them let them run the two-man game for a little bit. Maybe it's better to slot them in one by one and mix with this group of vets because that is some of what next year's team will look like. There will be younger players than these freshmen. There will also be some veterans around and, and working that out, finding that balance and how they're working with that dynamic. But just finding ways to to at least individually showcase them a little bit seems like it it has to be among the top goals of this team from here on out, besides getting an SEC win, which should happen, but uh, at this point. Well, I was going to ask, uh, you always hit me with the quick three. I don't know what else we can say about this basketball team, so we should probably uh... – we should probably move on and close this thing down. But when do you think that first win comes? I, I have a hard time predicting it's going to be at South Carolina. I don't think I don't think it'll be against Arkansas. Um, maybe maybe against Vanderbilt, but that's on the road. They get a rematch with this A and M team that's at home. I don't know, man. Well, uh, when well, does the so, win come? When does the win come? <laughs> so you've, you've, I have it written down on the back of an envelope oh, okay. here. That, this, that was today's quick three, Ben. You've actually oh, guessed it exactly. I, I, I have the to, table on you. You have, you have. I don't know what to do now. I, I feel, I feel put under pressure as, as the host of this podcast. <laughs> the seat, this chair's getting a little warm. Uh, but 
So I, I broke this. There's 12 games left. South Carolina letdown after they just beat Kentucky. Is that what you're going when, with? When that, well, then, then it's a circle of Mizzou beat South Carolina, South Carolina beat Mizzou, and also beat Kentucky, and Kentucky beat Mizzou. And I don't know who, how you sort out who's the best Welcome team. Welcome to the there. SEC. <laughs> they think, I think they call that the circle of sucking uh, when you have when you have that many losses to teams. Though Kentucky's top 10 for now. Uh, but so you look at I, I have this broken down into three sets of four games with the last dozen. The, the next four games up are at South Carolina, home against Arkansas, at Vanderbilt, home against AM. That strikes me as a stretch that if Mizzou is going to win any games in the SEC, it's going to come during that stretch right there. So I'll, the, the quick three for you, Ben, is just what the record is going to be in each of these sets of four games. So at South Carolina, home against Arkansas, at Vandy, home against AM. How many does Mizzou win out of those four? I mean, one. Yeah, one. I mean, it's, when you have none through six, if you feel like I feel like I'd have a Truman suit on to pick more than one, um, I don't predict a run coming from this group. And I don't. They do play a little bit better on the road, it seems like, than at home, which is odd. Very I odd. Think, I think. I think in the bottom two, I think they'll beat either Vanderbilt or Texas A and M. Interesting. I think don't, I, I shouldn't say this on here because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I feel like I've seen somewhere that the home against Arkansas is the one that the the ESPN FPI or whatever those percentages give Mizzou the best chance in. I'm not buying but, that though. I think Arkansas is gonna. I don't think they're as bad of a team as uh, as we've seen. And I and I wouldn't. It almost seems like Musselman gets his group going toward the end of every year. Uh, maybe he can't with this bunch, but. I feel like they're gonna they're gonna catch a run here before too long. Yeah, and and those Arkansas teams just are always difficult for Mizzou, especially when it's not played in that rally for Ryan game. I feel like Mizzou struggles outside of that context against Arkansas. So the next four games up, then home against Mississippi State at Ole Miss, home against Tennessee at Arkansas. Does Mizzou win any in that four? Maybe one. Um, maybe, man, maybe against Mississippi State. Their record is better than it looks. It, it, not as good as it looks. They've lost. They've lost to South Carolina. They somehow beat Tennessee. They beat. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not there. I don't feel good about that group. Not, not good. Not good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't feel good about road games. Um, it would. Pro- I don't think they're going to be. I. I wouldn't be surprised if they get swept by Arkansas. Uh, this is not a fun. A fun task here. But uh, I feel much better about that first four. Yeah, I, well, again, I don't feel see, good about this last four either. No, the, the last four is at That's Florida, home against Ole Miss, home against Auburn, and at LSU. I I don't know if there's a win there. Something will have to change. I mean, it, it, maybe if if these some of these young guys get cooking and the pressure's off, and then they they go, that would be a really nice way to kind of turn the page here. Is if some of these young guys can get some more run and they start to do some things that are encouraging. That would be uh, that would be the only way to see something's got to change. I mean, Tamar Bates can't score fifty points. I, I don't think. Well, maybe maybe he can, but hopefully not fifty points in a loss. That would be pretty damaging for his psyche, probably. Um, I I don't see it with with the final four. I don't. So so that by by the unofficial tally here, uh, I'm going to put that as the over under is at one and a half because you said one from the first four and one maybe from the second. So you know they're going to get two. They'll get two. they'll get two. So, but you you look at just I think that puts in perspective. You look at what the schedule is. One, it shows you how important these next four games are for Mizzou. That if they're going to salvage anything, you know, I don't even know if if 
if they won the next four and then lost the final, I don't know if fans would even call that respectable, but if they're just going to get any sort of positive from the SEC basketball season, it feels like it has to come from these next four because after that, I, I feel like it's pretty safe to say that anything after these next four would be a surprise, which probably has to happen at some point for this team anyway. Yeah, to me, that the, there was a time for the veterans on this team, the guys who had earned the benefit of the doubt, it was their time to either take over or open up the door to be pushed to the background some. I don't know if this staff will do it, but I do think now's the time for that to happen. And I think you're better in a situation like this, betting on your future than your present. Um, it's easy for me to say, you know, they're not my players. I'm not with them practice every day. I get it. It sounds really gruff. But I, I think if you're thinking about how to how to kind of turn this this thing into a positive way at, at the end of the season, do some things you haven't done, um, do some more things you haven't done because he is doing some things, and continue to, when in doubt, play some of the guys you're going to have around because they're going to have to be they're going to have to be the key parts of making this not happen again. Exactly. All right. Well, I think and we'll also call just it. stop. Re- can you? Okay, I get it. I get it. You're not a good rebounding team, and that's not how you're built. Okay. Second chance points, okay. You're never going to win. Can you eliminate the third and fourth and fifth chance points? Because you're not going to win games like that. Like, you don't have to be the best boxer out, or you don't have to be the most tenacious rebounder. But maybe just stand there with your arms open, and maybe you'll get one of the third chance, fourth chance rebounds that falls down. If you give a team that has functioning limbs and 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 eyesight four or five chances per possession at times, they're going to score a lot of points against you. So that's my mini rant. I didn't know I had it in me, but I I don't know. There's not a stat for most third and fourth chance opportunities given up. You probably have it. Maybe it's somewhere on hoop math. I don't know, but this, this team has to give up the most third plus chance opportunities of any team in the country. Second chance we can track third plus chances are a whole nother ball game. And this team gives up a ton of them. They, they do. Well, I noticed it against A&M. There were, I think, a couple offensive rebounds off a missed free throw that then I think led to more. And I know against Alabama, too, I remember taking note of those. Uh, so I don't have the analytics. Maybe next week I'll try to I'll try to track those there's down. Your pro- so that, there's your project. Yeah, that'll be that'll be my numbers project for the weekend. An excuse to poke around more spreadsheets. Uh, much to much to my joy. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel better. Thanks for letting me get that off my chest. Yeah, the, you you seem relieved. The shoulders have come down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we needed last last week we opened with the rants. I think we need to go back to that next week. We're going to open with the rants, get them out of the way, and then we can have a more a, a free flowing, lighter it discussion. A, it was a slow burn. It, I, I did. It kind of crept up on me. Yeah, it, it happens. It happens to the best of us. But we'll call it a day there. Uh, thanks for thanks for tuning in and listen to uh, to Ben and I bemoan and bemuse over Mizzou basketball. We'll be back next week again with more Mizzou basketball to talk about. Maybe even a defensive coordinator to unpack. Maybe we can distract uh, distract from what's going on on the basketball court with what's going on in the. Uh, in the furrow field boardrooms perhaps this weekend but we'll be back next week Uh, until then enjoy watching the wide world of college sports we'll see you next week Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.